Hello, and welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. Welcome back to another episode of the Feminine Genius Podcast. For many people, September means going back to school, and you might personally find yourself in back-to-school mode right now. And our guest for this episode certainly is. Gail Emo is a Catholic school teacher with many years of experience in this archdiocese, and she's also a wife and a mother. Gail currently teaches grade 4 at St. Paul's Elementary School in Richmond, And for Gail, she hopes that all students leave her classroom stronger academically and emotionally. But above all, she wants her students to grow in their Christ-centered relationship. Here's our conversation. I was wondering if we could... Maybe first start by having you introduce yourself and telling us a little bit about you. My name is Gail Emo. I am a wife and a mother and a teacher. I have three children, uh, Sean, Jacob, and Kayla. And um, I've been teaching in the Catholic system for 20 years. Wow. Yeah. And actually, one thing that comes to mind, like I'm very thankful that you had said your name, your last name as well. Mm-hmm. And what that makes me think of is your husband, Clay, he had shared when it comes to introducing himself and how to pronounce properly pronounce your last name. Right. He had drew uh, on something that you share in your classroom. Exactly. Because right. we get a lot of emus <laughs> because of the double O's. So right. I decided, you know, kids remember a lot of things with visuals. So mm-hmm. I t- took a picture of Nemo from right. Finding Nemo and then <laughs> went Nemo equals Emo. And then I took a picture of a cow with a <laughs> little red slash through it. I'm like, not a cow. So <laughs> that's how I teach it to my kids because right. I taught grade two for 16 years. So wow. for them, and actually I would... I actually embedded it in my little presentation for the parents mm-hmm. for the meet the teacher night as right. well, just because it's, you know, I cringe every time I hear the pronunciation <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I'm like, for sure. Emu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think it sticks. Mm-hmm. And sometimes Clay says some of the kids at prep call him Mr. Nemo, <laughs> just because. They think of Nemo and then forget that it's actually Emo. And not Nemo. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, drop the N. That's so awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to know if you could maybe share a little bit about your faith journey uh, with mm. us. Like you were mentioning that you had taught in the Catholic school system for a while. And I think yeah. that, you know, it's always so inspiring. And I'm always so thankful. Like just being a person who has gone through uh, the Catholic school system myself, like it's always good to know that we have teachers who are so involved in their faith Mm -hmm. and I would just love it if you could share a little bit of that of course so I mean I I grew up in the Philippines I was Mm -hmm. born and raised there and so being a Filipino Chinese Filipino born and raised as a Catholic and Mm -hmm. going to Catholic school so our faith was extremely important 
to our family and it still is today. So, Mm -hmm. you know, our parents made sure that going to mass on Sundays was a priority. It was a day that we really cherished and enjoyed growing up. I remember going to mass and then always having lunch at my grandparents' house. So it was definitely a day of family. So I Mm -hmm. really, really valued that. Coming to Canada in 1988, we basically left our entire family in the Philippines and having to come to a brand new place where you didn't have family and you didn't have, you didn't really know anybody. I mean, my dad did have some cousins that lived here, but, you know, not having your immediate family in terms of your cousins, uncles, aunts, people you're really close to. We turned to the church in our faith to kind of um, take us in as their family. So my mom had a group of friends who mm-hmm. had a prayer group. And so they became our family and their children kind of became like our best friends and mm-hmm. we grew up together. So being able to just still have our faith kind of bind us together really kept my faith up. And, you know, this was the first time I did not attend a Catholic school because when we moved, all the placements were already filled. We came in April, so LFA was full, Mm. you know. um, Basically, they didn't have room for me. And so I had to go to a regular local public school, which actually was a blessing because that's where Clay and I met. Mm. But, you know, this is the first time where I was in an environment where there weren't, not everyone was Catholic. Not everyone knew about God or went to church. Mm-hmm. Clay being one of them, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't know God and he he didn't go to church. He didn't have a belief in uh, or a faith. So that was very different. Mm-hmm. But um, we, my parents still kind of rooted us in our faith. Like going to church was still really important. So I guess um, once Clay and I started dating, it's not that I was against him not having a faith, but Mm -hmm. it was such a big part of my life that I wanted him to experience it, not Mm -hmm. force him to, you know, you got to be Catholic, otherwise I can't date you sort of thing. But Mm -hmm. I wanted him to have a good experience. So he, um, I waited till it was Easter and then he. I brought him to church for the first time. And I think that's, he was kind of like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like there's, you know, so he was curious about it, which I was thankful for Mm -hmm. because then he would, you know, he was open and willing to come to mass with us. So, I mean, there are so many things that happened that kind of brought me to where I am today as a Catholic teacher. I just knew that um, teaching in the public school just never even entered my mind because, my faith was so important to me. So Mm -hmm. during my practicum in the spring where we had to teach in a public school and we weren't able to talk about Jesus's death and resurrection was so strange and so weird. Not being able to talk about God during Mm -hmm. a very uh, important season with Easter. So I just knew all along that I wanted to be a Catholic teacher and because talking about God and and my faith and having that relationship and wanting the kids to have that relationship with God was really important to me that Mm -hmm. there was only one route for me, which was the Catholic system. There, there's definitely challenges between, you know, staying in the Catholic system versus especially now where jobs are opening up everywhere in the public system Mm -hmm. where, 
you know, you you hear and you see teachers kind of jumping over because they say the pay is better over there. And there's, you know, there's so many benefits being in a public school. So kind of are thinking, do I do it? Do I not? But ultimately, bottom line is, I need to talk about God. And, you know, I want the children to have that really close relationship with God. So I can't see myself, you know, in a public Mm -hmm. school. So that's why it's been 20 years strong. (laughs) Right. And there you are. (laughs) And there I am. Yeah. Now you're talking about how you know, it was very clear and obvious to you when you were doing your practicum, it became very clear and evident for you that the Catholic system was the way to go just Mm -hmm. by virtue of the freedom to talk about something that is so deeply embedded in you. Yeah. Um, In terms of just teaching as a profession, has that always been the path for you? Or were there other things that you wanted to pursue before that? So before teaching, I thought I was going to be a a dentist. (laughs) I know I'm like I'm gonna be an orthodontist is what I said to myself so you know throughout high school I was taking all the sciences even my first year at UBC Mm -hmm. I was taking chemistry biology physics with all the crazy three-hour labs for each one Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking and as as I was going through it I'm just like I don't think this is right (laughs) Because it was really tough. Right. Yeah. So I don't know what I was thinking, but it definitely, it, it turned me away from, you know, wanting to go in the sciences and stick to, you know, I ended up majoring in psychology and taking a minor in religious studies. Okay for my BA. And then even when I finished that, I'm like, well, now what? Mm. (laughs) So it wasn't until my aunt who was a, she's an early childhood educator in New Jersey. And she's like, have you ever thought about teaching? Mm -hmm. Because um, I guess she could kind of see it in me as being one of the older cousins who Mm. always looked after the younger cousins and having so many younger siblings too right. so I'm sec- the second of five mm-hmm. so I guess I was kind of always nurturing a nurturing type of person so she's the one who kind of planted that seed for me right yeah and it all worked out <laughs> there you go and I guess like now that you like you said you've been teaching for 20 years mm-hmm. now over the years what have been some of the the fruits or maybe your favorite parts of oh, teaching. Oh goodness. There's there's so many mm-hmm. because my first year teaching was in a grade 7 class. So preparing them for confirmation. And then the following year I landed a job at St. Paul's which is where I I'm still currently at my mm-hmm. home parish. And so I moved to grade two, and I taught grade two for 16 years. So just preparing them for such important sacraments, mm-hmm. right? Reconciliation and seeing them on their first Holy Communion Day, it was just like little angels. Mm-hmm. So that was always really, really special to see and how excited they were to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, you know, like all year you're planning for it and you're waiting for it. And then mm-hmm. to see them on the day and how excited they are mm-hmm. for that sacrament. It's just like, wow, such an awesome faith. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such an awesome event. And ha- seeing that childlike faith all in all of them. Which kind of, it, as an adult, you look at that and you're like, man, that's how I need to still feel 
mm-hmm. going to mass and receiving the Eucharist. So they're the ones that, you know, always kind of keep me rooted back in my faith and mm-hmm. to remind me of how awesome our faith is and mm-hmm. and that relationship you can have with Jesus. So, and seeing the kids grow up, I mean, my favorite story is my first class. Mm-hmm. He'll love this because he he wrote it on my phone because now he's a teacher in the Catholic system. Oh, no way. So we were at a meeting one day and he wrote down his contact info on my phone to send him something. And he named it as my favorite student. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, to see him who I taught mm-hmm. and now seeing him now teaching students. Wow. So I taught him in grade seven, and then now he's a grade seven teacher. So he likes to bug me during spirit days and point out to all his students. He's like, see that woman over there? She was my grade seven teacher. Wow. And I, you make me feel so old. <laughs> but, you know, to see someone you've touched and mm-hmm. to see them kind of pass that along to someone else, it's really, really special. Or to see kids that you've taught who are now part of youth ministry mm-hmm. and are now leading younger kids in their faith as well. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a full circle. And uh, yeah, it's just a joy to see them still so involved in their faith. Some mm-hmm. of them in the choir, some of them in youth ministry, some of them now as teachers. So it's very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. It's a very fulfilling job. I bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that I wanted to share with listeners is that prior to this recording, I was able to just have and share a lovely meal with you and your family. And I know that, you know, you are the mother of just three beautiful children. Mm -hmm. Um, You have a wonderful family. And you mentioned yourself earlier that um, even your aunt saw that that character of nurturing um, Mm -hmm. that was in you. And just this beautiful gift of mothering, I guess I would say. And I wanted to ask how you see that gift of mothering and this feeling of motherhood, Mm. how you see that play out when you teach. Oh, yeah. Well, because in class, when I look at my class of 31 kids, I call them my kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's really it's heartbreaking, actually, in June when you have to say goodbye to them because you invest so much of your time and energy to each and every one of them. I mean, 31 students, it's, it's almost sounds crazy. And, mm-hmm. you know, that there's so many in one class, and they say, how do you do it? I said, well, because they're really, really good. Mm-hmm. But you want the best for each and every one of them. So I treat each of those kids as if they were my own. So, I mean, with education, yes, it's important for them to learn stuff. But mm-hmm. for me, especially, it's, The learning will come and the reading will come and the writing will come. But ultimately, it's it's their character. Mm -hmm. You know, do they have a relationship with God? Are they treating each other the way God calls us to treat one another? You know, Mm -hmm. it's that is what I focus my daily teaching on more than the academics, Mm -hmm. you know, and and because. And we say to the parents, you know, you've chosen Catholic to put your child in the Catholic system, in the Catholic school, because the faith is important to you. And that's what we that's Mm -hmm. to us is the main reason why we're in the classroom. So, 
you know, really building that character of love and compassion and empathy towards one another is Mm. what I focus more on. And then the academics is kind of secondary. Yes, it's important. And it's highly uh, regarded as something really important in our school. But ultimately, it's, you know, when they walk and leave my classroom, are they a better person? And I'm hoping that each of them will say that they are. Right. Yeah. So I think that is just such a it's such a beautiful approach to teaching and pedagogy as well, just Mm -hmm. because whether it is Catholic school or public school, just like school in general, there is so much pressure to kind of just go through quickly and make sure that you are at the top of your class, you're Mm -hmm. reading at the right levels, or you can do your times tables so quickly. But at the end of the day, really, all of those things do fade away, but it is the character and Mm -hmm. like you're saying, like in the religious education or catholic education context that relationship with jesus yeah yeah Yeah. i mean it's we're saying it's i mean i'm sure in the public school system they they do all that too but Mm -hmm. it's just like how do you tell someone they need to be nice to that person without bringing god into the picture right it's just so much easier when you say well this is how god wants us to treat Mm -hmm. one another you know so it's just Yeah, I think that's the reason why I'm still in the Catholic school system. Mm -hmm. And I probably will retire (laughs) at St. Paul's. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) Well, I'm sure, you know, the staff there, the families are thrilled to to hear that. (laughs) That's awesome. I I was curious to know, just seeing as you have all this experience and remind me again, like, do do you currently still teach grade two? I'm now in grade grade four. four. So this will be, so I've done grade four for three years. This will be my fourth year coming up in grade four, which is a nice change. Yeah. Change is good. Absolutely. (laughs) And they're older, they're more capable of (laughs) working together. So not so much just me and each of them, 10 kids all around you (laughs) tugging on your shirt, (laughs) wanting your attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So grade four has been nice. It's a nice change. Mm -hmm. So I guess like over the years, like one thing that I've noticed whenever, well, I shouldn't say now, but I remember when my youngest sister was still in elementary school and this is already, you know, maybe four years ago now, Mm -hmm. noticing how many kids who are such at such a young age, they have all these devices now and these toys. And I just wanted to know from your perspective, like how you've seen students, like maybe their, their interactions with each other, how you teach, how has that changed over time? Goodness. We were just talking about that as a staff as well, because their attention span is so short now. It's always Mm -hmm. like, what's next? What's next? What's next? They don't know how to just sit and wait you know or it's a lot of me myself and I always needing that Mm -hmm. gratification right away also we're noticing that kids don't know how to even interact with one another anymore Mm -hmm. like you know we have to remind them you need to look at the person like you need to make eye contact Mm -hmm. you so these skills that we think should have been, you know, taught when they were little are now skills that we're having to teach them, you know, and they're a lot older, even having to how to like properly answer the phone or 
it seems like everyone's just in their own little world or their own little bubble with all their devices that they're missing and not they no longer have that human interaction or that social interaction they don't know how to share they don't know how to ask nicely for something so that's where we've seen a really big change and even just um in behavior as well the manners like we're having to remind them how to properly ask for something and how to remind them how to say thank you for something because I don't know these skills and and things are just have gone away yeah so hopefully we can get it back for sure (laughs) have you in your grade four classroom have you had to I guess like impose any device restrictions like do you see that well luckily we don't have we'd like nobody brings phones to school not that we know of or at least we have a a rule at school that Mm -hmm. they're not to take out any phones maybe none of the younger kids do maybe the grade seven class would have them but they'd know they're not to take them out till at the end of the day Mm -hmm. once they're outside of the building then they're welcome to use it but mm-hmm. no we haven't had any I, I could see how that could be a problem in the high schools yes. but not so much in the elementary schools okay. yet <laughs> and hopefully we'll never have right. that problem <laughs> yeah, because I, I just remember being so alarmed when I saw that just kids gathered around yeah like iPhones mm. or iPads or even and this goes to show just maybe how far out of touch I am but it's just like those those iPods that maybe have like Wi-Fi capabilities because I remember thinking of you know myself when I was that age I think all the rage and we're talking like 2004 2005 when I'm in elementary school everyone's congregating around Tamagotchis and I don't know if anyone remembers what that is so it's kind of like you know this little thing and now you just see all these kids with like high-tech toys oh it's crazy yeah yeah I used to even um kind of giggle when the kids would write their little letters to Santa when I was teaching grade two but some of the things that they were asking for were like three four hundred dollar like <laughs> gaming consoles you wow. know we're like what happened to like can I have a stuffed animal for Christmas right. you know now they're like an xbox and wow. I don't I can't remember what probably the Wii during that time mm-hmm. you know but all these gaming consoles and they're not cheap right. <laughs> and that's what they're asking for <laughs> my goodness yeah I'm not kidding yeah oh. And it has been very evident to me, and I hope to listeners too throughout this discussion, that you have that gift of teaching, of mothering, of Mm -hmm. nurturing. And I wanted to know, from your point of view, how you've seen your own feminine genius grow. Oh, boy. (laughs) I guess being rooted in my faith and having that my parents really... um, making sure that we continue going to church, because I know that was something some people struggled with in high school or university but Mm -hmm. I was one of the lucky ones that never really doubted my faith Mm -hmm. and I think lighting kind of just came into my life at a perfect time too Mm -hmm. so just a little side note we were we were at youth day in Denver 93 and a group of us saw life teen there for the first time so we're the first ones to bring it 
across the border to Canada. So St. Paul's Parish here in Richmond was the very first church to start up a life team program. So, you know, being involved in that with the core teams kind of checked me as a person too, because I was leading these teens or, you know, in the youth group that, you know, always made sure, am I living my faith right? Am I doing the right thing? So, you know, even though we were ministering to teens, it was more, you know, it kept me rooted in my faith. And that and just, you know, having my faith in every aspect of my life, Mm -hmm. I guess. So as a teenager, as an adult, as a young adult, and then into teaching. So always needing to have that personal relationship with God. So, I mean, I I can't say I'm like the person who's like in an adoration chapel or, you know, has this ritual with the prayers and stuff. I just find that I'm constantly in my daily life, always having little conversations with God, mm. or I also show my faith through my actions or, you know, the way I raise my kids Mm -hmm. and the way I teach my students you know I always try to share my stories of either struggles I've had or joys I've had and this is how I stay close to God Mm -hmm. you know that sort of thing like just sharing my story to them Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that it sticks to them and that they you know remember it and remember how God wants us to love one another and just kind of pass that on to everybody they meet and to now be you know my first class are now 30 32 I think they're 32 years old you know so there's there are adults there or you know it's it's just a joy to go to mass and kind of look around and I'm like yep taught that person (laughs) taught that person taught that person so and hoping that I've touch their lives and that I was God's voice Mm. for that year to kind of keep them rooted in their faith and to have them you know take their faith throughout their life as well so Mm. I just see myself as an instrument of God you know for him to speak his words through me Mm -hmm. or have the kids kind of see hopefully they see me as a nurturing person to want to take that to everyone they meet as well. I don't know how many hundreds of kids have I taught now. (laughs) So, you know, I'm hoping that I can continue God's work Mm -hmm. in my, in, I see it as my calling, right? right? My vocation as a mother and as a teacher. Mm -hmm. I feel extremely blessed that God has given me that opportunity to speak so openly about our faith Mm -hmm. and to share it with all the kids that I teach. And so I hope that it just continues on. Mm-hmm. And what yeah. a beautiful legacy to just have. And I can only imagine, yeah, like how, how you must feel like when you, like you say you are at mass and you can see previous students and you can see how they're getting involved. Like that's mm-hmm. so wonderful. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's a gift. It's, it's a blessing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to be like a, as a youth minister as well. And then to kind of see them, being a youth minister to my children, Sean and Jake are both um, spirit leaders as well for the preteen group. So, mm-hmm. 
it's just this wonderful cycle. Yeah. So I can, and then they're, they're being leaders to Kayla's class because she's in grade six, what well, was in grade six. Mm-hmm. So to kind of see them go through it and then hopefully Kayla's will do the same mm-hmm. when she's older as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. We'll just keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. What advice do you have for maybe future teachers who are currently discerning, becoming teachers, mm. they're in a practicum program, especially maybe those who share our faith yeah. um, and look around and they see, like you were mentioning earlier, there are a lot of jobs opening up for um, like public school. And of course, yes. that's a great opportunity in itself. Mm-hmm. But for those who want to pursue that opportunity of being a, a Catholic school teacher, yeah. what advice do you have for those people? You, you will have the experience in the public school because your practicum has to be in a public school. But mm-hmm. bef- before you even sign a contract anywhere, if you haven't had an opportunity to step into a Catholic school, do that because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it may open your eyes to a different world because it's, we like to say, we live in this beautiful little bubble in the Catholic system mm-hmm. and it's... And they truly are beautiful children. But, you know, go in TOC, like sub for a little while in the different Catholic schools mm-hmm. and, you know, have a little taste of it before you make any final decision as to where you want to teach. Because mm-hmm. this is something you're going to do for a long, long time, hopefully. But this is day in and day out. For me, like having the freedom to be able to talk about God mm-hmm. uh, was really important to me. And to live out my faith was really important to me. And I couldn't see myself being able to do that in a, in a public school. So if this is something that you're passionate about and you want to, you know, be the voice of Jesus to young people, to definitely explore the Catholic system because we're hiring too. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Gail. You're welcome. Thank you so much to Gail Emo for joining us on the Feminine Genius. If you're a teacher in training or want to become a teacher in the Catholic school system, Gail encourages you to check out the website for the Catholic Independent Schools of the Vancouver Archdiocese or CISVA at cisva.bc.ca. I've left a link to it in the show notes. As always, you can stay up to date with the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on social media. We're at FemGeniusPod on all platforms. You can listen and download this podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And all this information, as well as direct downloads of the episodes, can be found on our website, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll chat with you next week, and God bless always.